Thanks, Mood. Great. Let's uh, keep that passage open, shall we? And let's, let's pray as we look at this together. Lord God, we do pray that you'd make us attentive uh, this morning to uh, your words. Uh, soften our hearts that we might be drawn uh, to the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray in his name. Amen. Well, when, when was the last time that you received an offer that was just too good uh, to refuse? When was that time? A dream job? A place to study at UEA? A virgin TV and broadband bundle that is so cheap there simply has to be a catch? Um, after I finished uh, university, I spent a while working as a research assistant for a member of parliament. And one day, the MP I was working for uh, said, oh, we've got a meeting tonight of some uh, party staff, talk about some ideas, some strategies, so on. Can offer you a place at this. Can you make it? These sort of meetings are not that uncommon. I'd kind of got other things lined up, wasn't really in the mood. So I was just looking to shape up my excuses not to attend uh, when he said, oh, and Tony Blair will be there. I'll be there, I said. Uh, straight away, no hesitation. Well, at, at the heart of, heart of the Christian faith is an offer of incomparable value. Do you see that in verse 28? Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Notice this is an offer, isn't it, made to all. So, so not to people of a particular race, not to people of a certain background, not to people who think they've got it sorted, not to people who are apparently moral. Come to me all, you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Jesus is speaking here in the context of a world that is broken and burdened by our human failure to recognize God and all the implications that flow from that in a broken world. And he's speaking in the context of God's judgment at our refusal to acknowledge him. We've seen, haven't we, over the past few weeks in, in Matthew, how Jesus has healed the centurion's servant, cleansed lepers, calmed the storm, cast out demons, raised the dead. Jesus has shown beyond all doubt that he has the authority ultimately to deal with everything, all that wrecks our world. And in the context of a broken people, and a broken world, the one to whom all authority on heaven and on earth is given, says, come to me. So just as we start this morning, how, how are you doing? Are you, are you just weary of the endless burden of maintaining status, appearing better than you are, just keeping up appearances? Come to Jesus. Are you burdened with, with the pain of bereavement? Experiencing a lack of emotional, a lack of physical well-being? Seemingly there's just no light at the end of the tunnel. Come to Jesus. Are you beset by a sense of restlessness, that feeling of dislocation, of, of dis-ease, of dissatisfaction with yourself and with life? That exhausting feeling. Come to Jesus. Or are you worn down by the ceaseless monotony of the self-serving rhetoric 
and the self-serving promises of those that govern us in a broken world. Broken leaders of broken people in a broken world. Come to Jesus. Come to me, says Jesus, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. This offer is made by the Lord Jesus. We've seen his CV. We've seen his, his track record. Can you conceive a more credible offer than this? He's shown he's got the power. His miracles have seen thousands come to be blessed. His teaching has left people astonished, marveling at his wisdom. His character is such that those closest to him said that he knows no sin. Power, wisdom, character. The Jesus to whom all authority on heaven and on earth is given says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Don't you you think the way that Jesus describes himself in verse, verse 29 is beautiful? Look at verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Isn't that unique amongst, amongst leaders? The rule of Jesus is not harsh. It's not self-serving. He's not puffed up with arrogance. He's not into self-promotion. It's not a Jesus first, is it? You're not going to find Jesus as a candidate on The Apprentice, that's for sure. You're not going to find him bigging himself up on a general election campaign trail. He is gentle and humble. The opposite of being self-assertive and self-interested. Come to me, says Jesus. Who would not want to be part of a kingdom like that? To be ruled by one with all authority, but who is gentle and humble. We long to achieve rest, don't we? We long to achieve rest, and yet somehow we never quite seem to get there. So that the anticipation of a Friday night, the weekend in prospect, is just often not fulfilled. Or, or holidays never quite match up to that TV picture of family paradise on a sun-drenched beach where the children just never stop laughing. Or, or, or long-for retirement just proves to be a bit more unsettling than we expected it to be. What, what is the offer of rest here. This is not the rest of a big Sunday lunch and dozing off in front of the Grand Prix. It's not a weekend at a health spa. It's not a free long-stay pass in a luxury retirement home. This is not rest of passive inactivity. Rest in the Bible speaks of physical, of spiritual, of relational joy, living in God's world with all that wrecks the world, removed for all eternity. It's shorthand rest for friends, friendship, for relationship with God. Relationships at the heart of this. Not everything is made good right here, right now, but we know our creator and we know something now of what it is, what it will be to live in perfect harmony with our creator in this new creation beyond this life, when everything is put right. Word, the word for rest here appears back in, in Genesis 2, when God rested from all his work 
in creation. And the rest described in Genesis 2 speaks of that physical provision of, of relational harmony, of spiritual satisfaction. So this is a future world where people are not exploited and they do not die in the back of lorry containers. But where there are no typhoons, where those we love do not let us down and don't die too soon, where there's, there's no abuse, no confrontation, where our physical bodies don't fail us, where there are no squabbles over Brexit, where England will always win the Rugby World Cup. How did that get in there? Shouldn't be there. But no, it's a world ruled over by someone who is gentle and humble. Are you weary of the never-ending stream of bad news in a broken world with no hope of future relief? Jesus says, come to me. Are you burdened by the stressful intensity of life, constantly keeping the balls in the air with no awareness of any help or aid from outside? Jesus says, come to me. Are you anxious about the future with no knowledge of, of the one who orders everything? Jesus says, come to me. And yet people don't, do they? So many people don't come to Jesus. What, why don't people come to Jesus? That, that is the context in this passage. We saw in verses 20 to 24, we see, don't we, Jesus is, is rejected in the towns of Chorazin, Bethsaida, Capernaum. These are places Jesus has been in person, performing these miracles, shining the light in these places. He's being among people, but people have not repented. They've not turned to him. Instead, they said, no, I prefer darkness to light. I reject you, Jesus. Matthew's shown us in recent weeks how the kingdom of God advances. It's advancing, isn't it, across the world today. And yet we also see the rejection of Jesus. And we see that all around us today. We know people that just reject Jesus. You know that person who says, I'm just not interested. He seems kind of just rock hard with certainty. They're not even willing to look at and think about Jesus. Why is that? Well, well, to show us that he's really in charge, what does Jesus do? Jesus explains here why it is that some people just refuse to come to him. We see here why people don't accept Jesus' offer and why we should come to Jesus. So, so why do people not accept Jesus' offer? The offer that seems too good to refuse. Just Jesus tells us, doesn't he? Verse 25. It's almost as if we're eavesdropping here, kind of glass to the door on Jesus the Son talking to God the Father in response to the rejection that he's experienced. At that time, Jesus said, I pray to you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you are pleased to do. It's deliberate disguise, isn't it? People reject Jesus' offer because it is deliberately disguised. God has hidden things from the wise and the learned. 
So, so the word wise here speaks of a kind of sound mind or prudence. Learned speaks of intelligence, quick to, to understand things. So, so those who consider themselves to have knowledge in and of themselves, God hides himself from them. But he's revealed himself to little children. That's not speaking of the gullible and naive, but it's speaking of those who are prepared to learn. Maybe that's not your child, but hopefully the point still holds. So, so the implication is that God reveals himself to those who are ready to listen, prepared to learn, but he deliberately conceals himself from those who are wise in their own eyes. He won't be found out by those people. So, so the people of Capernaum here, the, you know, the wise, those who are arrogant, those who think them, they can do without God, who think they sit above God, they're not prepared to learn, God hides himself from them. But he openly discloses himself to a person who, like a, like a child, comes to him in humility and says, here I am. I, I want to learn. I don't know everything. I wonder if you had that experience where you go to a parents' evening, you get it occasionally, where a teacher says, yeah, they're doing really well. They just they keep asking questions, keep lapping it up, they're just soaking it up. They're like a sponge. That's kind of what Jesus is saying here. Those who are like children, just willing to soak it up like a sponge. I don't know about you, but I do find that encouraging as, as you think about speaking about Jesus in a world where people often don't want to listen. We can't do, can we, the, God's work of salvation. All we can do is share the good news of Jesus and leave the rest up to God. John Wesley wrote this. He said, I preach as if it were all down to me, but I pray as if it were all down to God. Why do people fail to follow Jesus? Because they think they know best. The point here is not, is it, that we should just kind of disengage our brain, kind of be gullible and naive as we come to God, or just somehow leap into the dark. The point is that if we, if we come to Jesus humble, you know, ready to be taught, he will show us wonderful things about himself. If you want to find out what it is to find rest for your soul, come to Jesus. But come with the right attitude, humble, teachable. Then we'll find rest for our souls. I wonder, perhaps some of us are a bit uncomfortable um, with, with these verses, don't they seem a bit perverse or harsh even? You know, why would God ever want to conceal himself and how can he possibly be pleased to do this, as we're told? No, you know, no wonder there are so many people who don't believe. No wonder it's so difficult for us as we go out and talk to people about Jesus. Well, just imagine, imagine if these verses were the other other way around. So imagine if it said, I praise you, Father, that you conceal yourself from the child and reveal yourself to those who are wise in their own eyes. Just picture what it'd be like in the new creation. You know, just picture the kind of great learned people sitting around, professors, the theologians, odd politician, the kind of the great British establishment, just kind of chewing the cud in the worship breaks of heaven. When did you first figure out God? Oh, I didn't have to. My parents did it for me. 
Me, well, I had God sorted by the time I was age 10. Not a difficult job to do, to be perfectly frank. Then I could get on with the rest of my life. Me, I went to Norwich School and then Cambridge. God was lucky. I even took a look at him. It would, it would wouldn't it? It would be, be kind of God's in the pocket again. The new creation would be populated with the proud and the arrogant. Guess what? Just not a lot unlike the world that we live in now. I prefer to come to Jesus to learn from him, to take his yoke upon you. What is a yoke? A yoke is a harness, isn't it, that ties two animals together. It's a picture here of discipleship, of following Jesus. Here I am. Uh, I surrender. You are king. I want to learn from you. I want to serve you, to please you. I want to love you more each day. To be humble, as Jesus, our teacher, is humble. If that is our attitude, then we will find rest for our souls. I wonder, perhaps you feel just a bit worn down by church. Happens, doesn't it? We just get tired from serving, stale, just frustrated with stuff that seems to get bolted on to our faith that once seemed so simple. The, the pilot light is just burning a little bit less brightly. Come to Jesus. Get back simply just to sitting at his feet, learning from him, loving him. We'll find rest for our souls. Or do you think you know best? Has complacency set in? Well, I might, I might give God, you know, a bit of time when it suits me on my terms, when I'm ready. If we're puffed up, God will conceal himself from us. You'll remain ignorant for the rest of your life, and there will be no rest. And we're told here, aren't we, that a truly terrible day of judgment awaits. The same judgment that awaited the people of Capernaum in verse 24, worse than the destruction and the fire that beset the pagan cities of Tyre, Sidon, and Sodom, places that were riddled with people that said, me first. If we'll approach Jesus, acknowledge our dependence on him, turn to him, rest is available. But why should we come to Jesus finally? Why should we come to Jesus? Notice the invitation is to come to him, isn't it? It's not to come to church. It's not to come to the Discover course. Good day, that is. It's not to read a book. It's not to sign up, thank goodness, to 15 church rotors. It's definitely not just to accumulate a lot of Bible knowledge. It is to come to a person, isn't it? It's to come to Jesus. Why come to him? Look at verse 27. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. God alone knows God. The source of all knowledge, the only source of knowledge of any credibility about God is to be found in Jesus Christ. You could say Jesus Christ is the Wikipedia of God. That is a terrible illustration, but it's the best 
I could come up with. But, but do you see how all the things have been committed, have been given to Jesus? Not just some things, but all things, haven't they? So everything there is to know about the God the Father, all his work, all knowledge of him, everything that he wants us to know has been given to Jesus. It's entrusted to Jesus the Son. So if we come to Jesus, we come to the source of all knowledge about the living God. To, to know here means to, to look upon or to observe something or, or someone. So no one knows the Son except the Father. No one knows the Father except the Son. But Jesus the Son has been looked upon, gazed upon, and given all things by the Father. And God the Father has perfect knowledge of Jesus the Son. So they have perfect knowledge in perfect union in eternity. No one knows the Father except the Son and and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. So Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Do you see see the logic there? Because of our undeniable ignorance, we can know nothing. Because of Christ's unique privilege, he has everything. He is the point of access. He is the gate, we could say. The only way to the Father is through the Son. Without Christ, you remain ignorant. You know nothing. But if we'll come to the Lord Jesus... In humility, he graciously offers us rest through our souls. You can exaggerate, can't you, when you look at bits of the Bible sometimes, but this is, is it not, it's the great offer of history. The great offer made to all people, to you and to me. People don't accept because he deliberately disguises himself from those who think they know better than him. But if we must come to Jesus because he is the source of all knowledge of God. God the Father has entrusted everything to Jesus the Son, the one who is gentle and humble, so humble it will take him all the way to the cross for you and for me. We will be judged, won't we? We'll be judged according to our response to Jesus. How do we respond? Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for these uh, wonderful words of, of Jesus. We can come to Jesus and find rest for our souls. Lord, we praise you that it is in Jesus that all rest is to be found. Praise you that he is so gentle and humble. He was prepared to give everything to bring us rest, even at the cross he was prepared to go to. Lord, God, we pray that You'd help us to understand that uh, more deeply in our hearts each day, Lord, that we would uh, turn to you daily as the source of all our encouragement and strength. Lord, that we'd be 
uh, inclined to speak of you to a world that is sometimes hard-hearted, and we trust uh, you to do your work. And we praise you for the glorious, hey, one day of that place of rest where all things will be put right. There'll be perfect union, perfect harmony between you and your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.